John chapter 4, verse 4. Now he, speaking of Jesus, there was trouble in, uh, in town, so he's, he's splitting because of the trouble. So he says he's leaving, and he's had to go through Samaria. These are places that Phyllis has just been, so she knows all these places. I could have an Israel map, and she could point out everywhere that we're talking about. Had to go through Samaria, and he came down to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there, And Jesus, he was tired from the journey, so he sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. It was about noon for them, okay? When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And his disciples had gone to town to buy food. They're not there. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And John makes sure we know that that's because Jews didn't talk to Samaritans. So Jesus is making a statement without saying anything. He's willing to talk to somebody that was a lower, in their minds, a lower class of people. Because there is no class in the kingdom. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You've got my attention. (laughs) You've got nothing to draw water with. The well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up into eternal life. Let's pray. Jesus, a message about the Holy Spirit ought to be infused with the Holy Spirit. And so I invite you today to to speak to us and to mold us and to... uh, You told us you would counsel us and and, and move inside of us. And that's what we're asking for today. Not just an academic exercise. But a literal uh, experience of the promise that you gave to this woman. The promise that stands for us here today. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. So Jesus has been on a long walk. And in, in those days, they didn't have a gas station. There was no Texaco or Quick Trip. And so he had to stop, uh, which is what they would do, by a well on your way through. There's a well, so you stand there and you wait, and then someone eventually, hopefully, will come and draw water and give you water. And so he sent the disciples to get food in town, and that's where we find ourselves here, okay? Does this make sense? So he is asking her uh, for a drink, and she is saying, I don't know what you're talking about. You Living water, help me understand. And the reason this was such big news to her, Jesus was always really good at this, hitting him right in the heart, like in the place where when he gets to the rich man, he says, give all your stuff away. When he gets to the woman at the well who's drawing water, he deals with water because he knows how to hit right at the point of need in their hearts. And so to her, he's talking about water. And here's why this is a, a, such a powerful tool for her because 
This morning, probably every one of us did something completely magic that about 50% of the world doesn't get to do. We flushed a toilet. And water magically came out. It was amazing, right? But we just do it every day, so you don't even think about it. You, you, you were thirsty, so you got a drink. Well, that's not how about half of the world deals with it. About half of the world, I took this little picture uh, a year ago in a village in Uganda where we had planted a church. And this little buddy had just come from getting water to take back to his house where they would do things like drink, where they would clean, where they would, and this was his brother, by the way, where they would bathe in, right? Any cute little... That's what water, they, they get water there and then that water they get every morning in the morning. In fact, if you're around a water source, whether it's a well or a pond or... The, the line will start early in the morning, especially with the well, because you come and you put your, so that, that uh, yellow uh, jug is, is actually what they get oil and they cook with, and then they save those jugs. And the way it, it works is early in the morning, if there's a well, they, they stack up their jugs in order, and then the kids play soccer and whatever until it's their turn to come and pump water. So little buddy here has gotten his water, and this, by the way, is the source where he was uh, getting his water from. Um, which was where also the cows get their water from, where the sheep and where every, everything else is happening. So that's his source of water. The work that he had to do, the work that even this woman was doing is hard work. A jug of water on his head, carrying it back. And the reason why this little buddy's doing it is because mom has probably already been there and brothers and sisters. Everybody has to participate in this. This, by the way, is in Togo, Africa, where our conduit church is there, and that, is, uh, that seems really disgusting, doesn't it? It's the rainy season, though, and in the rainy season, the ponds that form are actually closer and more convenient and also cleaner because a cow hasn't come and uh, gone to the bathroom in that yet. So that actually is cleaner in the mud puddle. By the way, in case you're wondering how we do it, conduit, um, this is the well that now exists in that village that the young family uh, goes to get their water from the puddle, can now get it from a well. And this is the well that exists in Uganda that uh, that little boy now, he's still carrying his jug, but he's at least getting it from a, a source where there is no cows going to the bathroom in it. So water for them was very difficult, and yet it was very necessary and a daily experience. Every day of their lives, they get up this morning in a developing nation. Billions of people around the world have gotten up, got a jug, got some sort of a container, and went to a place to get water, to carry it back home, to drink, to cook, and to bathe with. Jesus is talking to a woman at a well. That was her daily thing, was to go and to drink, to get water for her family. And strangely enough, she's doing it in the middle of the day. We'll talk about that in a minute. But it's to her, he says, you know what, I got water you don't know anything about. And she immediately is thinking about water that is physical, that is literal, and Jesus is saying, oh, it's deeper than that and it's more important than that, but he's got her attention and I hope I have yours too. Because he's saying to us today that that thirst that we have in our lives, that he wants to fill it. And his promise was to fill it with living water. Now in John 4, he doesn't actually say what the living water is. The good news is, we let the Bible interpret the Bible. It's real easy. Want to know what the Bible says? Interpret what the Bible says with the Bible. Jesus would say in John 7 that that living water 
was the Holy Spirit, which was yet to come. John 7 and verse 37. Water of the Spirit was a picture used over and over again. It starts in Genesis 1 when the Spirit of God hovered over the water. Isaiah 44, 3, he says, I'm going to pour out water on a dry and a thirsty land. Joel 2, 28, he says that I'm going to pour out my spirit like a pitcher of water on all flesh. And we know that that speaks of the spirit because that's what Peter said after that first amazing altar call when miracles were happening and they were speaking in tongues. And he's like, no, no, they're not drunk. They're not hammered. It's not like a beach party. They actually are just filled with the spirit. That just as the prophet Joel said would happen. The spirit is used, uh, the picture of water is the picture of the spirit throughout the scripture, and I could go on and on and on. And today, for us, I'm thirsty. We travel around the world, and I've seen the Holy Spirit doing amazing things. In that church last year, uh, when we were, uh, before the well was even drilled, we were planning a brand new church, and my friend Alex Matala uh, if, if, you, if you have the word pastor anywhere near your name, Jason, you know this, you go to an, another country, you have the word pastor near your name, they're handing you a microphone at some point. And it's not like, hey, greet the crowd. It's like, no, you need to just go ahead and preach a whole sermon. So, and my daughter Lauren was with me last year there. Hi, Lauren. And, and remember, there were like a thousand people. It was crazy, packed with just people. And, uh, and so I, 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 I think I'm just going to greet the people, mostly because that's what I was told. And, and so I go to hand the microphone back to Alex and I was like, oh no, I thought I was supposed to pray for the food. Wasn't that right, Lauren? You're supposed to pray for the food. So I pray for the food and I ask Alex, I'm like, so what do we do now? He's like, now we get them saved. <laughs> so, so I'm about to preach a sermon. David and Jaina, I don't know if you guys are in here or not. They might be down in the basement, but they were there as well. There's David back there. Uh, so I'm now... I gotta, we're going to preach now. And, and it was amazing. Witch doctors, like voodoo, weirdos, like Jesus, people, guy that thinks he's Jesus. There's a whole bunch of wild people here. But who cares? Because Jesus has come, right? So a bunch of people are getting saved, and it was like this beautiful thing. And I, I go to hand the microphone back to Alex. I say, well, now, you know, what do we do? He says, and now we cast out demons. <laughs> to which I said, you remember this, Lauren? Like, let's go. <laughs> because it's about to get real here. Um, and not because I'm scared, it's just because it, kind of, it can get messy. And so, we just don't want to be in the front row when that's going down unless... And if you, has anybody seen this before? Do you know what I'm talking about? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Because when he starts saying, hey, have you seen... He's, this is Alex, because you bring the professionals in, right? So he says, if you've seen dark images in the night, if you've seen... He starts listing off these things and people start coming down because they're all... He's reading their mail. And dozens of people left free that day of demonic oppression and possession. And it was because the Spirit was there and moving. And when I talk about the Holy Spirit like that, it, I feel like there's probably one of maybe two reactions. One is you're breaking out in hives. Because it makes you really nervous, right? You're like, oh, are we going to get weird in here? I don't know. So one of you, that's you. And honestly, that's kind of my reaction a little bit. I grew up in an atmosphere where I saw amazing things happen. But I also saw crazy things happen. And so the reaction for me was, I'm going all the way over here to just the Bible. Because if, if, if you've been around the, the church at all, you know that. It seems like there's two schools of thought. There's the, the, the Bible, especially if you've got Bible church in your name. 
then it's the Bible. And that's incredibly important that we ought to let the Bible give us truth and inform our decisions. And, but oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes in that setting, the spirit is not allowed to move without prior written permission of the elders. And you can, you know, if the spirit shows up to the meeting once a month, they can get him to sign off on it and then you're allowed. Because that's, but that's truth, right? They want the truth, they want that. And then on the other side, in the other, and I'm speaking in generalities, and I know that there's all kinds of in-between. On the other side, the Bible is helpful, but the Spirit is everything. And so oftentimes you see getting off in error and doing things that are a little odd because the Bible was in, in, it's here, and we'll get a Bible verse that fit that, but we're going to swing all the way over here. But Jesus would say to this woman at the well, just a few verses later, that there's coming a day when you would, the people who worship me will worship in spirit and in truth. They're not mutually exclusive ideas. And I'm thirsty to see the spirit changing lives here and around the world. And Jesus promised that from you would flow rivers of living water. John 7 and verse 37 just a couple chapters over when Jesus is speaking at the festival, the Feast of Tabernacles. This is a annual feast that looks backwards at what Jesus, what God had done for Israel and as far as giving them water in the desert. And then it looks forward towards the Messiah that would come. And this meant that thousands and thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of people would come to Jerusalem for this week, and they would live in tents because it reminded them of when they used to live in tents in the desert. They wanted it to be a reminder of them. Think Bonnaroo without drugs and bands. It's that environment where there's a group of people who've come together and camping out and, and, and partying for a week. Every day of the party, one of the things that the people, the priest would do, the high priest, was he would take a bucket that was made of gold, and he would go all the way down to the pool of Siloam. Jerusalem is on a hill. I know this now because I was there last year. And at the pool of Siloam, he would take a bucket, he would fill it with water, and he would walk through the streets of Jerusalem up to Jerusalem and to the temple, and he would take that water and pour it on the altar as a symbolic gesture reminding them that God poured, made water come out of a rock for them. He did it every day. And the streets would be lined with people and they would be singing uh, scholars say from Isaiah 44 that they would be singing songs about the well and the water that was being poured out. They were reminded of it and the priest would go through town. And on the last day, the seventh day, he would do it again. The people would party and they're excited and they're yelling and they're, he gets up. But this time, and I don't, some scholars say this, some don't say this, but they said that he would take the last day, he would take a bucket, but he didn't actually necessarily fill it with water in the pool of Siloam. He would mimic the action and carry the empty bucket up and pour it out, mimicking pouring it out, because on that seventh day, it was a reminder that Messiah had not yet come, that it was one more year that the Messiah wasn't there. And it was in that environment that Jesus, it says in John 7, 37, the last and the greatest day of the feast, that Jesus cried out in a loud voice, set yourself in this world, thousands of people, and here's Jesus, it's almost like he can't hold it in any longer. He says, he says it in a loud voice, John 7, 37, he says that 
anyone who is thirsty, he's yelling, if anybody's thirsty, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up until that time, the spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified, speaking of later when John would say, and talking the day that Jesus died was the day that he was glorified. The spirit had not been given yet. All who are thirsty, they knew exactly what he meant. You don't kill people who are nice. You kill people who are a threat. And he had just put a line in the sand that I am a threat to this system because I am now fulfilling it. I'm not doing away with it. I am fulfilling it on this day that all you who are thirsty come unto me. And as I was praying about this week and this summer, the direction that I feel like God wants us to go, I know we live in a city, in a, in a county, in a, in a region where not many of you feel maybe that you're thirsty for God. It was awesome. I'm so glad that you're here, like right that we're here together. And doesn't it feel just woefully inadequate if this is it, you know, for us? But he's saying this promise of come to me who are thirsty. You see, I think that some of us have been we're thirsty, but we're trying to fill that thirst. We're trying to quench that thirst in the way that Israel did. You see, in Exodus 15, Israel, they're literally, it's like the first survival show. This is Bear Grylls and dual survival all wrapped into one. How do you get a million Jews in the desert and not get them dead with no water? And so when you're thirsty, by this point, they're, they're in the, this thing's Exodus 15, they're in the desert three days. You'll drink anything because you just need water to stay alive. And it, they went to the, the bitter springs of Marah in Exodus 15. They went there and they drank the water and it was, it was bitter. And I think genuinely that sometimes our thirst, that we're trying to quench it with meaning and with success. And some of us, some of you have blown up your lives trying to drink from a dirty pond, trying to quench your thirst. And it was bitter. Pornography is a pool of water that is endless and dirty and gross, and you'll never quench your thirst in it. People don't blow up your own lives unless you're thirsty for something. And just like in Africa, these little boys and girls, they're going to a pond to drink, and it's dirty, and it actually, in that moment, it actually quenches their thirst while killing them inside. If you're trying to quench that thirst, that need for security, for just to, to literally just to medicate so I don't have to feel about the pain anymore, that you're going to the wrong pond. It's a pond that's bitter inside. And, and then sometimes it's a, it's a pond that actually is not a bad pond. It's just a few verses later in Exodus 15, Israel went to a, a, these 12 springs in Elim. And they drank there, and it says that they camped there. And you know why you camp there? Because they're afraid that if they leave that behind, that they'll die. And in some of our lives, we, we've got this water source. It's not, it's not even immoral. It's just, but I can't, I've now chained myself to this because I don't want to die. I feel afraid to leave it behind because I have to trust that God is going to lead me to the next place where there's water and there's refreshment.
And some of us were chained to a past, we're chained to a, a career, we're chained to this thing. And God's just saying, no, no, go, go to me and drink. Come to me, you who are thirsty. And just a few verses later, in Exodus 17, they're in this desert. It's the wilderness of, of sin. Sin. I got a picture of that when I was there. To give you an idea, this is what Moses was up against. Because it sounds like, okay, man, Israel, those guys are a bunch of jerks. They're always yelling at Moses. But think about it. If this is your situation, and ain't nobody got a hose, what are you going to do? So they are prosecuting Moses, we want him dead. He has led us here to die. It says he called for the elders of Israel. You know what the, what's happening is a trial. They're putting Moses on trial to judge him and to kill him. He has the rod of judgment with him. So they're literally coming together. We're about to hang him out to dry. And it says that Moses would take that rod, that rod of judgment, and instead of it judging him, he struck a rock, and from that rock, water flowed, and it saved their lives. We know from Paul in 2 Corinthians that that rock spoke of Jesus. We know that from Jesus' side, blood and water flowed. Blood that cleansed, water that refreshed. That's what water does. It cleanses and it refreshes. The little cute little peanut in the bathtub or drinking, it's cleansing and it's refreshing. And it happened both in Jesus on the cross. Now listen, this is the part that I've never heard before until this week when I was studying it. It literally blew my mind. Paul would go on to say that that rock followed them in the wilderness. So wherever they went, the water went with them. So fast forward to Numbers 20. You don't have to turn there. We don't have much time, but go and read it later. That the people are mad at Moses again. It's like the story of his life. It's like, I do and I do and I do for you kids and this is the thanks I get. They go, there's water, they're thirsty, they're mad, they're going to kill him. And Moses is just done. I've had it up to here with you people. And God told him, Moses, just go speak to the rock again. And Moses was so angry that he struck it. He took the rod of judgment and he hit the rock. And he wasn't allowed to go into the promised land because he did that. It made God so mad. Why did it make him mad? Because it was a misrepresentation of the, the picture, the symbol that he was putting in place. And that is this. Jesus was struck. And when he was struck, it was finished. And from here on out, all we have to do is speak to the rock. No more beating the rock. The moment where you want the spirit to flow from you, if you're pounded on the floor, if you're just trying to make it happen, you are just striking a rock that's already been struck. He doesn't say we have to keep working for it. He struck it once. And Moses, by the way, I love this about Jesus. Moses wasn't allowed to go in. That sounds so harsh, doesn't it? When Jesus stood on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John, they were like, we'll make a statue. And it was Jesus standing there, and it was Elijah. And who else was it? Moses. He still got to go in. Because God is so merciful and so grace-filled for you and for me. We are not just a recipient of the Spirit of God. 
in John 4, that, that rivers of living water will come inside of you and fill that void that you've been trying to medicate or you've been trying to sexate or trying to do whatever you can to fill it. It's not just for you. John 7 says it's now going to flow out from you to the world around you. We sang this morning about coming to the altar and coming to the well and drinking. We also sang about heaven coming to earth. Jesus' prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you are connected to the vine and you are a source of the Holy Spirit inside of you, turn on the faucet. The water that Revelation 22 tells us flows from the throne of God. Through you now. Now one day it's going to flow straight from the throne to everybody in the whole world, Revelation 22 tells us. It's going to be watering this tree of life whose leaves are for the healing of the nations. But for us, now, we are like the dam has sprung a leak. And you and I are conduits of the Holy Spirit. That's not just a phrase. We're literally that to the community in front of us and to the world around us. We are the real live fulfillment of the prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when we go to Africa and that little boy, the kingdom of darkness says is worthless. Nobody's going there. But the kingdom of God says he's infinitely worth, valuable. So much that he'd send a, a middle-aged full-figured white dude from the Midwest to come and drill a well, not because to get credit, but just to say that God loves you that much. That what's happening at Plays of Hope right now, that our society says that if you're a druggie, you're worthless. You're coming out of jail. Where are you going to go? You've already stole all of grandma's stuff. And grandma's right to put up some boundaries and say, I can't trust you right now but to have a place, a place of hope where they can go and receive love and care and another chance. Because you know what? This time it might be the time that the Spirit flows into them. It's us having so much of the Spirit inside of us that it's coming in and out into the world around us. You see, that woman at the well in John 4 would run back into town, and here's why that's a big deal. Do you wonder why she came at noon? the hottest part of the day when no one else was there. Jesus said, you're thirsty, and here's how thirsty you are. You've had five husbands, and the one you're with right now isn't even your husband. If you are that thirsty for love and for affection, and for, but she was so ashamed. Of course she's not going to come in the morning when everyone else is there. The judgment and the harshness and the embarrassment and the shame. And Jesus, who already knew all of that about her, said, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for a drink and I'd fill you. And guess what she did? She went back into town, the people she was hiding from and ashamed of, and she told them all. And at the end of John chapter four, it says, and many Samaritans believed that day because of her testimony, because she hooked up to the source, turned on the faucet and let the spirit flow through her. That's what quenched us about this summer to discover what that is inside of you, to develop it inside and to, to, to do the work of drinking of the Spirit, to develop it, to deploy. We, we're going to look at it. You can't do this alone. Deploying is always in a team. This is not a lone ranger sport in the kingdom. We need each other. 
And we're going to deploy and then deliver. And deliver just simply means this, that the gift that God put in you wasn't for you, it's through you to someone else. You are the UPS driver. And what kind of a jerk UPS driver at Christmas is it that's sitting on the side of the road playing with the drone that you got for your kid for Christmas? (laughs) Funny, isn't it? And that's what we're doing when we hold that gift inside. We're going to quench our thirst this summer at the Spirit. Jesus said in John 20, 22, he said to his disciples, I'm, as the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. Now, if you just snap that little snippet out of that, that is a recipe for burnout, exhaustion, and fatigue. But he says, peace be with you, my shalom be with you. That's important because if you don't have that shalom, you think it's your job to save the world. But the shalom says, it's going to be all right. Shalom be with you. I'm sending you just as the Father sent me. Now be filled with the Spirit. And that be filled with the Spirit. Whatever your background is, I'm going to treat you like adults right now, okay? And what I mean by that is that you might have that brings up all kinds of weirdo emotions and doctrinal this and that. But listen, we'll talk about that over the summer. You might even be choking. Well, how can I have more of who I already have? You don't have to raise your hand, but some of you are thinking that. I, I get that. That's a thought. If the Holy Spirit is a mist or a force or like a gas that floats through the atmosphere. But John 16 says, he, he, he this, he will bring you this. He will do that. The Holy Spirit is a person, not a gas. So when I got married, the day I got married to my wife, if uh, we, oh, I do, I love you, baby. And we kissed on that day and we signed the paperwork And I said, I've got all of Shannon I already needed. You'd think, man, who homeschooled you for that long? You don't understand. There's more. I know better, by the way. We have homeschool kids in here all week long. I know what they're teaching them here. (laughs) Because there was more. I'm married 22 years right now. There's been more. It's not that I got more of her. It's more into her, more from her, more to her. I'm getting to know her more. And when I say more of the Holy Spirit, that's what I'm talking about. This is a person that wants to have a relationship with you, not a doctrine that we need to study and pick apart. Does that make sense? So that's what we're going to do. Stand to your feet, would you? And let's pray. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm a little fired up. By the way, in July, we're going to kind of end this thing, and I'm going to have Pastor Lafleur from Haiti here. I just need you ready. That's all. <laughs> I've preached the best sermons of my life with him interpreting, because I don't know what I'm saying, but he's saying it awesome. <laughs> he's like <laughs> killing it for me. Would you drink from the well this week of Jesus? It's a well that we're drinking from now that's him that's pure and that's clear, and it requires us to pull away. You know that Jesus pulled away every day. Not because he's tired, but because he needed to drink from the Holy Spirit. On the day in John 1 that he was baptized, the Spirit descended upon him. And he needed the Spirit just like you and I do. And boy, this world doesn't want us to do that, does it? This world wants you busy, 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 busy. If Satan can't keep you bored, he'll keep you busy. I challenge you this week and me as well to withdraw. 
and to drink from the well. Ephesians 5, be filled with the Spirit, singing songs. Be filled with the Spirit this week. One day we won't have to continue to drink because that well will continue from the throne of God. But on this side of heaven, it's still bubbling up inside of us, quenching your thirst. You have to keep going back to the well. That's fine. And I want you to drink enough in these weeks and these months ahead that you have so much. It's just bubbling over the top of you for those around you. I hope that makes sense. Jesus, would you give us insight into your word today? And would you allow your spirit to breathe on us today? I ask in faith, not striking the rock, but speaking and singing to the rock, knowing that I now become a rock, that water flows from me, crucified with Christ, yet I live. And that water can flow through me. Lord, would you give us the faith to keep the faucet on, the faith to trust that you're going to replenish and the obedience and the truth to keep going back to get that replenishment. Oh, we're so excited, Lord, for you, what you're doing around the world through this little operation that your story is always doing big things in small groups, and we know that that's what's happening here. And I ask for you to just show us and to be real in us and to literally just rush up from inside of us a river of torrent of living water to the world around us in the community in front of us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. It's going to be a good summer. Don't forget the Guatemala meeting. If you're part of that, you're going to go turn your conduit on to Guatemala. That meeting is in the basement. So down this hallway, turn right, and there's a basement on the left. If you get lost, just ask somebody. They'll find it for you. I love you guys. Stick is your name.